Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 65. And at the end of the day, it's dance. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that is better than the other one. Even if we go outside of Kizamba, if we're talking about tango or the b-boys, respect to all of them. It's Dance is a form of expression. For sure. Sometimes we forget about it. And we're just so stuck into, oh, what I'm doing is better. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. Coming back to you after a few months of not having any podcasts, but we're definitely in quarantine life now. And AC, as some people have described it as after Corona, because it's definitely impacting our world today. And then I had my open heart surgery and I feel like I'm getting back into the swing of things to be able to create some content. And I have one of my good friends on the line to kick off that podcast. And her name is Jules from Montreal. How are you doing, Jules? Hello, hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Taking it easy in my house. <laughs> Honestly, me too. I feel like it's a new trend. <laughs> <laughs> this everybody staying home. That's the new cool thing to do is to stay at home. Yeah, like all crazy that is. Mm -hmm. Now it's like everybody's like, you stay home. That's good. Definitely. <laughs> Um, so definitely thank you for taking some time out of your day to come and talk. And I just basically wanted to have a conversation with you about your dance journey. And we're definitely talking before the podcast and you're telling me some of your ideas about uh, starting your brand and your content and all that kind of stuff as well. So I wanted to kind of like give you a chance to talk about that and then also allow you to share pieces of your journey. Uh, through your dance and I think before the quarantine the whole coronavirus thing you were performing and starting to travel and all these different yeah. festivals in in Montreal and Toronto and that was gaining some speed and, and some then <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that took another turn <laughs> for sure so we'll talk a little bit about that as well yeah. Uh, but for the people who haven't heard of you before, uh, would you mind sharing like a little snippet about yourself and basically what your life looks like now in these days that we're living? 
Well, if I can start with the second part of your question. Well, I think it's like everybody else. I've been home, but I really take it as a, an amazing opportunity to work on my projects and just like turn uh, to just tap into really who I am, what I want, and just like refocusing on that. And uh, as uh, who I am, um, well, my name is Jules, as you said. I'm a dancer and instructor, mm-hmm. samba. Mm-hmm. In Montreal, mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically what I do, I, I founded a, a school a few months ago, almost a year mm-hmm. ago, and we only teach uh, Samba, although I dance everything under the Kizomba umbrella. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm basically teaching in Montreal and Toronto, which are pretty much my two houses. Mm-hmm. So, nice. And yes. what do you do outside of dance? Nothing. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I have a full-time job. Um, I try to see some friends. I really try to work on my projects. Uh, just like uh, chilling with my friends and have amazing conversation, read. I try to do some courses online mm-hmm. to work on my new skills and just like, keep on picking my brain because I have a little nerd side. Mm-hmm, definitely very nice very nice so um before we get into your kids journey and things like that i usually like to ask my yeah. guests to go all the way back to maybe a childhood class or maybe a high school class something like that of their first introduction to dance in general dance has always been really um actually i grew up with dance like my my mom was dancing. She never took classes, but she was always dancing around. My my cousin, she she was a she was in a troupe when when I was when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I, I saw her concert. We don't say concert with like a dance performance. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm a French speaker, so sorry for my <laughs> accent. So for my weird it's words, fine. it's completely <laughs> fine. <laughs> so uh so yes yeah, so i saw i saw her performing so many times i was like oh my mm. god she's so beautiful mm-hmm. what did and your mom then, dance to like just like a, just dancing like on music back in the 90s mm-hmm. like, it was around the house it was like mm-hmm. a, during like parties mm-hmm. and she was always insisting assisting for me to dance mm-hmm. she was taking me and we were doing doing some line dances nice so like it it was it was a part of my, my my household mm-hmm. so that's how i grew up and nice. then when i i was looking at my cousin i was like i want to do that too so then my mom she she put me in a jazz class mm-hmm. when i was nine ten maybe a little bit earlier mm-hmm. so that's how i started and i pushed there i did that for many years mm-hmm. Um, and then I switched to ballroom dancing for all my teenage years. This I did not know. Ah, <laughs> Do you have any videos of you doing ballroom <laughs> dancing? We I can think put I that in the show notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on YouTube. Jules Tremblay Ballroom. <laughs> I don't think it's on YouTube. We should upload. This would be a cool thing to like share with people. Yeah, I did the performance. So what, what did you do in ballroom? Because I know they have a lot of different sections yes. in ballroom. I only did the Latin side. I didn't mm-hmm. like, but I know how to dance, waltz, foxtrot, etc. 
but this is not what was talking to me like the music is is, is pretty but that it was too uptight for me but the latin like cha-cha rumba samba <sighs> that was awesome also like merengue and mambo i want to see these videos <laughs> i think it was, only, of- it was many competition so we don't have a lot of videos but like your i guess do those competitions get recorded or it's just kind of like something in real time i guess it depends most of it like if you find any please send it over to <laughs> <laughs> see them <laughs> but yeah that'll be cool we'll see if anything comes up with that yeah so i did that until i was 18 mm-hmm. and what happened after your ballroom because like ballroom is very time consuming mm-hmm. I mean, like you have, I think I was practicing over like 30 hours a week. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. So it's a lot of money. Like if, if people like uh, know about ballroom, know how expensive that sport is. Mm-hmm. Like for the private classes, the costumes, the makeup, everything around. And also you cannot work full time. So because you're practicing so much. Because you want to perfect those little things that will make you win or not. So, um, yeah, that was intense. So then I stopped because it was too much and I was, I wanted to do something else. I had a boyfriend at the time and I was like, okay, let's, let's put a pause on it and never start it again. And I started the dancing with Kizomba. Okay. So tell us <laughs> your story of getting into the kids world. Um, I saw Kizomba many years ago in Montreal because I was working uh, next to the studio that, and it was a Kizomba class. I was like, what are these people are doing? They're so close. Because <laughs> ballroom, you have a distance, you know? Yeah, definitely. You don't have that connection. I, was, I, th- I thought it was intense. I was like, okay. But then I was looking, I was like, the music was so beautiful. And then one day I'll, I'll do it. And I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, you'll never do this. <laughs> and when we broke up many years after, uh, one of my friends was doing it. She was actively involved in the community and she was telling me about it. And I was like, one day I'll try, one day I'll try. And once um, I co- she contacted me through Facebook and, and we started talking. I was like, girl, no, I think I'm ready. So in the meantime, like we were exchanging on Facebook and one of the instructors that I know, because we were all, he's, he's, the, he's the person that I saw in the studio next to where I, w- I used to work. And he's like, hey girl, long time no see. Um, and I was like, yeah, so I really want to start. He's like, okay, let, do you want to start like now? Mm-hmm. So that's how I started. And, and so uh, reflecting, this was like actual Kizomba Simba? Yes. Or not, not Kizomba Fusion or anything like that. Urban Kids mm-hmm. or no. Well, what, what year was this that you started? Was Urban Kids even around yet? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm still super new. <laughs> I'm like a baby still. Because some people started before like Urban Kids was a thing, you know? So true. Like for me, I started at the 2012. So like our. You're our, OG. Mm-hmm, our. <laughs> original gangsters of urban kids were like Felician and Albier and these guys, like, because they dance yeah. different from the traditional way to dance kids, you know? So it's like, Ooh, these guys are like 
dancing to remixes and all that kind of stuff. And that was the reference point that we had, you know, and then there was French style kids, but some people were started after urban kids was already a thing and all that kind of stuff, you know? But the, the thing that the thing was very confusing because the, the thing you usually see on YouTube, it's urban kids, but it's labeled under Kizamba. So like for me, it took me someone to actually stop and tell me the difference between the two. Mm, I, sure. I didn't realize like what I was doing was Kizomba and Samba. I thought I was just dancing Kizomba and exactly. it was just different than these people online. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the the umbrella term of Kizomba and an actual specific term for Kizomba because definitely can cause some confusion as well, which is like a couple years later, you have that, I guess, understanding. But like in the moment when you first start, it's not there for sure. And most people don't. Mm -hmm. like a lot of people are telling me, oh, I'm dancing Kizomba. I'm like, no, boo-boo. <laughs> this is a ring is. And it's okay. It's not like, oh, it's not good or it's better. Mm -hmm. It's just different. It's just being clear about what you're dancing and the music and all that kind of stuff. And that influences the way that you dance, you know? Yeah. And I feel a lot of uh, people don't uh, tell their students about it. Mm -hmm. So before we get into... I guess now since you've been around a little bit and you can develop some personal preferences and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I first met you when was I was teaching in, was it, I was in Qu Quebec city. Yes. Yeah. And you were dancing Afro really, really well. I was like, oh, look <laughs> at that girl. Um, and so yeah. when did that become a thing as well? Like, was that just, <laughs> what you saw at like Kizuma parties and then you started learning or what? Because that takes some skill to like learn and get used to. You just can't like jump out of the street and start to do that. And it's different from ballroom and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Um, no, I, I started doing the three. So Kizamba, Semba and Kuduro mm, all at the nice. same time. So nice. I learned from, from the beginning, I started Kizamba. I was then I, actually the first dance that I've done was Semba. And then I was like, oh my God, what is this? I love it. And got hooked. And since that day on, well, now I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. So the, I had to do Kizamba and Kuduro. And nice. Yeah. That definitely helps you with the whole, I guess, African flavor. It's like bringing that into your Semba and everything, you know? But there's a lot of movements in Kiz in Samba, you know, in Samba, that are from Kuduro, and Kizomba from Samba. Exactly. So I mean, but the root is Samba and Kuduro. Mm -hmm, definitely. And a lot of people forget about it. I agree, but like, I mean, even going to like Africa. Africa is not a continent that really partner dances. You know, they have their tribal dances and all the solo dances and everything. You know, and then all of that energy and that history and that culture comes into the way that they dance in a partnership, you know? So that's a whole huge Other topic <laughs> in itself <laughs> and we can do other episodes, but uh, no, thanks for kind of giving some insights into that as well. So yeah. um, now that you are teaching and you're a little bit more seasoned, um, what would you say, which dance do you like the best or is it hard to choose or what are your feelings? Like my heart, when my I feel my heart is like vibrating, what mm -hmm. is it's usually um, assemble because like I'm super energetic 
And like, I just want to get the dance floor and dance. It's really hard for me to sit and hear a samba song. I can sit if it's a geruzuk or anything else, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A dusar or etc. That I show 100%. I can sit. But I like it. Get up and dance. I have to get up and dance. Mm-hmm. That in samba. I mean, kizamba. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's nice. just like the music speaks to me. It's just the, the melody and the way you dance on it. And you can do so much in Samba. I mean, like the tricks, but because the thing with Samba is because a lot of people think it's a Samba show. Mm-hmm. So you do all, all those crazy things. You can do it and it's very fun. But there's also this really calm and connected dance. It's just mm-hmm. the tempo is different than, than Kizamba. For sure. Samba. Definitely. And we'll talk a little bit about your ability to do some of these tricks here <laughs> coming up. If you've ever seen Jules performing, I'm pretty sure there's some videos of that. Maybe we can yes. find like your kids in the six performance or something like that. That and was crazy. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes so people can see how crazy Jules gets. I was so pumped for that one. I was so stressed out because like it was the first time we were um, doing in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you do those tricks, you, when you do it at home, I mean, I failed a couple of times and I was like, man, I cannot fall. There's people watching, you know, and it was so crazy. And the, the energy. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I could have like, like, like blood stripping mm-hmm. and I would be like, I can't, I'm moving. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So let's talk about, so you started your Kizoma journey. Uh, Kizoma Simba is what's kind of set your heart on fire, which is awesome. I feel the same way, but when like, since my, like, I'm just going to go off on a tangent. Like I feel there's a lot of different sounds that we have in the Kizoma umbrella yeah. and it attracts different people who have different backgrounds and things like that as well, you know? And like you said before, it's not really that one is better or than the other or anything like that. And obviously there's a, a lineage chronologically of when these things come things, things became different dances or established dances. And if you want to like respect the dance, of course you have to go and check the history and like Indeed. do your research and all that kind of stuff for sure. Uh, but like hearing you say like when my heart vibrates and what I can't sit down is Simba, like I feel like the same thing for me, but since my first uh, introduction was like with, um, Albier and Felicien and all these guys. Like when I hear some ghetto Zook songs, it's like <laughs> I gotta get up and like grab somebody, you know. And but this is this is the whole point of dancing. It's like you have to do what makes you happy, and you can totally go to a social. And if you have a good DJ that plays a little bit of everything, like it's totally possible to have an awesome night, and everybody is getting a little bit of, of what they want, you know. Absolutely, and it brings diversity. Mm-hmm, for sure. So. It's just like acknowledging what makes you happy and then having respect for what other people, other people's happy. You can't hate on happiness. Like whatever it is that's making you happy, as long as you're not hurting anybody, like go for it, you know? And at the end of the day, it's dance. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that is better than the other one. Even if we go outside of Kizamba, if we're talking about tango or the B-boys, respect to all of them. It's, dance is a form of expression. For sure. And sometimes we forget about it. 
and we're just so stuck into oh, what I'm doing is better. Mm-hmm. Oh, just or being just, right in like yes. self-righteousness and all that kind of stuff, you know? Indeed. Definitely. So um, let's talk about how you went from dancing Kizomba, training in Simba and Kuduro and all that kind of stuff. And then how did Angola Terra become a <laughs> thing and you started teaching and all that kind of stuff. Take us through that, that history. Um, I like at the beginning, well, I can, I can express it. I mean, I always somehow wanted to share something because I was teaching something else before I was teaching. Uh, oh my God, I'm losing my term. A uh, strength conditioning. So I've always been teaching something. So like, it, was it the first thing I wanted to do? No, because I didn't think I had the knowledge because I see those amazing dancers and instructors. I was like, why can I bring it in the table? So I was like, I have to work to first to have my craft good and to understand what my body is doing and just like to understand the mechanism of the dance. And then I started going out and then knowing more and more people. And then, which is a funny story with Angola Terra, because a friend of ours, he was telling him about mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I knew him because like, I saw him at the parties, but we didn't know each other. So he was telling him to come and see me, and he was like, "No, no, 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 no! Like, I don't want to dance with, it, with with her for no real reason." Anyways, so let's move and what on. What was his name? I'm sorry. <laughs> did I? Did you say his name? No, it was a DJ the best, okay. amazing DJ in Montreal. And your dance partner's name is. Angola Terra. Oh, his name, that's his full name? Oh, you want his real name? Yeah. Oh, Geraldo. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, because I know on Facebook, like, that's yeah. his name, but I'm, okay. Geraldo. Because what's confusing? Because I don't call him Angola Terra. Mm-hmm. I call him Geraldo. Mm-hmm. And people are like, who's Geraldo again? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes what you see on Facebook just gets ingrained in your brain and stuff like that, but, um, Okay, makes sense. So, yeah, same person. DJ the best was telling Geraldo about you, and he was he was hesitant about it. Yes, and then later on, uh, DJ the best was telling me, "Have you ever danced with Geraldo before?" I'm like, "No, I don't think so." He's like, "How do you how do you think he dances?" I'm like, "Well, he's good, but I cannot say more because I've never danced with him." But he's an amazing dancer, honestly. Uh, probably, probably one of the best that we have in North America. Oh, as North Carolina, I meant North America. North America, yes. Yeah. Um, and then one night, he finally invited me to dance. And then he clicked. I mean, we danced and it was like normal. But that stayed there. And then w- last summer, one of my very good friends invited me to teach in uh in toronto and i was like it was by myself but then i was like i, I would really like to have a partner at least like or someone that can come with me and teach and teach together so i asked him and he's like okay sure no problem but then before we were in toronto i was a sting a friend of mine and he called me because he was also teaching but he didn't have a partner and he's like julie i know you're there do you want to assist 
my class. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. So we taught this first class together and it went super well. Nice. So it, from that day on, we did, we kept we had in contact and then we danced more and more and more and more. And then there was a second gig that we had that invited him. And then from that day, we were like, you know what? Let's do this. And for him, because if he has been dancing since he's a kid, he's, he's from he's from uh, Angola. He actually speaks Portuguese and French. He doesn't speak English. So he really has been in since since ever. So when he was telling me like I need to bring Samba back in Montreal in Canada because there's no there's no Samba school because in in Angola there it's it's a thing. Here it's not. For sure. So we, we wanted to bring that and together um we decided to create Amante Jusemba. That's our story. Nice. So thank you, did you the best? The name of the thing again? It was Amante Jusemba. Yeah. So Portuguese for Samba lovers? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. I use some of my Spanish skills to <laughs> translate Very Portuguese handy. a little bit. Uh-huh. No, that's nice. And one thing that I can definitely say, like for me, just watching how you guys dance together and like taking the branding and really pushing that and things like that. And I guess we can talk a little bit about, you said before, like this is not your first time teaching or promoting or anything like that. So I think it was really cool and really awesome to see that you guys started your partnership. and then. You really like took, I guess, the bull by the horns a little bit and really started pushing on social media, yeah. pushing on Instagram, uh, doing, getting a videographer to create different videos and things like that as well, which was really, really nice. And I remember seeing like, of course, we all know that there, sometimes there was some beef between like, oh, you guys aren't dancing the real Kizomba and blah, blah, yeah. blah, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember seeing one of the instructors that I respect and he said, instead of uh, sharing so much about what you don't like and because there and a few years ago it was really common to see somebody share a video with somebody else and then start dissing that video, you know, not so much anymore. Cause I think we've like matured past mm-hmm. that. We grew. Cause uh-huh. Kizamba is very young. Mm-hmm. It's and I feel like what I see more now is people who are big fans of Simba sharing videos that they do like, you know, yeah. share your positivity, share your, your happiness, you know? And I feel like you guys did a really awesome job of like just getting your brand and it, and it showed in the bookings Thank because you. then like it came out of nowhere and then <laughs> boom, you're like teaching at this <laughs> festival and teaching in that festival. And I really feel like if, if the coronavirus wouldn't have happened, it would have been really easy for you guys to start to go to different festivals around the U S uh, I'm not sure if you guys had any yeah. US bookings yet, but I'm pretty, it seemed like that was the trajectory that you guys were going on because there isn't really like a strong uh, Simba couple in North America, you know, and I feel like you guys are on that track. Thank you. Uh, so I guess I'm pretty sure you can share some thoughts with that. <laughs> but to answer through uh, the, your, 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 your first question, yes, I cannot believe how fast it went. Mm-hmm. From the day we started teaching together and having those am- amazing calls for those crazy festivals, like mm-hmm. kids in the six, I was like, mm-hmm. really us? Mm-hmm. And then we were booked in the US. Um, it, w- it was actually, we were talking already. Mm-hmm. And then 
everything blew up. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still, it's still coming one mm-hmm. day when everything will be back to normal. Yeah, for sure. But and yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, what are you going to say? No, I was uh, about to answer what is my take on Semba. Yeah. And then even just talking about like your, your, your branding, you know, like not a lot of couples will like stand behind their brand and start creating content to like get people to uh, know about them and promote them. And I feel like that's a rare quality to see. And so I just wanted to kind of like acknowledge that. And then like also hear a little bit behind your reasoning or your drive behind it. When I do things, I want to do things properly. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure it's clear. So like the people that are looking at it, it's clear and be consistent. Mm-hmm. So like I try to as much as possible to be as close as we, as who we are. So that way, like, I don't have to invent anything because mm-hmm. everything is just authentic. Mm-hmm. I think that would be most of my reasoning behind. And the fact that we have so much chemistry, it just shows on camera. So it's mm-hmm. easy. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Like, it shows like you want to be authentic with your followers and show the chemistry you guys have on camera and things like that. And then I guess that was kind of like inspiration to like even create the content, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess you said that you had some experience with some other things promoting because like it obviously shows that you have experience, uh, promoting different things. And I think when we were talking before you mentioned like promoting yoga or something like that. Oh, like our conversation together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't yoga because I never thought yoga. I did like a yoga certification so I can teach. But it was really for um, for myself, like uh, just tap into uh, the spirituality and like the what's happening in my body on so many mm-hmm. levels. Anyways, that's another discussion. For sure. But I used to teach uh, um, strength conditioning. Mm. So I was a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So I had like to do with my ex boyfriend at the time. He had three businesses, so I did like uh, websites. So I had to promote everywhere. And the fact that I have done some classes in the university, that helped. So all of that combined. And I like to, um, to um, I, I don't know how to say in English. To, to, you know when you, um, when you learn by yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you say in English? So you're like self-taught. Self-taught. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I will go spend hours on YouTube and trying to understand and looking at what the other people are doing and how can I bring it and bring it to my business. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. So like just from like one, I guess, entrepreneur to like another, like a definitely, you can see when people are like promoting intentionally. And so that's definitely something that I recognized with the Angola Terra thing coming out. So it was nice. Yeah. Always posting on Instagram and sharing videos and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that just helps uh, get noticed. And then obviously the booking started to come through. It's true. So but, it's you, awesome. but you also inspire me because your burning is pretty do you dope. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like it's the same thing before. It's like you have an idea and then it's like you see other people and the way they market. So then you study and you're watching YouTube tutorials and then you're learning how to use software and then like what's your message and 
all that kind of stuff. So even before I knew what Kizomba was, like I was already studying like sales and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just, it just kind of comes natural. And then if you have like something that inspires you that you want to put out there to the world, then nobody's going to do that for you, but you, you know, you, I think you know more about you and, and what you want to put out there. Cause it's sometimes it's hard to explain to someone. Mm-hmm. So if you can do it yourself, it's, 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 it's closer to what you want to put out there. Yeah, definitely. And for, for many of our conversations, our conversations too, mm-hmm. they pick our brains and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. did you really, did you think about this, this angle, etc." So that also helps. And I have amazing people around me. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, with Angola Terra and these uh, crazy tricks and things like that, let's talk a little bit about uh, executing those because I feel like some of those things look very athletic and potentially dangerous and yeah. things like that. So I, try uh, I wonder if you have uh, any advice or feelings you want to share about like executing like the Semba show tricks. First... You have to be confident in your own skills and you have to trust your partner. And from the fact that I have an athletic background, it also helps to know my body. So if there's certain things that I know I can do, and first I'm very flexible. So a split for mm-hmm. me is very easy. And doing crazy tricks, I can do it by myself. I mean, so, so yeah, so I know my body mm-hmm. and I know what to gain. I think that's the most important part, knowing how to gain, like the gaining, like, uh, this is how you say it in English. You mean engaging, like engaging your core yes. or, okay. But your whole body. So mm-hmm. that way you're, you're lighter for your partner, mm. but, and then you have to trust your partner and you have to try, mm. try and try again. And mm-hmm. if you fall, It always happens. Mm-hmm. You get back up and you try again. For sure. So th- I think for me, that will be my, my, um, my advice. Yeah. Practice. Just Definitely. practice. And I feel like when you see like other like Latin professionals and you see like some of the crazy tricks that they do or something that's coming to mind right now is even the figure skaters. Oh my the God. Tricks that they do yeah. Their partners and on ice. So of course you fall, you trip, you slip and all that kind of stuff. And then they just have to like get back up again and try it again and keep doing it. So that way when the competition comes, you're able to execute it. Yeah. So it's like in everything, like when you practice, like like talent can bring you to a certain place, Mm -hmm. but the person that's going to work will surpass the talent that doesn't work. So it's same things applies in everything. I mean, like the more you're going to practice more when the, the day is going to come. So let's say we were talking about kids in the six. I've mm-hmm. practiced with Angolatera a lot of times just to make sure we get mm-hmm. this one right. But even when I look at the video now, I'm not super happy about it. It could be better, mm-hmm. but still. So like, it's a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. And it's a journey and being patient with yourself and all that kind of stuff is, is definitely always challenging, you know? Yeah. Uh, one thing I also wanted to pick your brain on, because I know you have some feelings and I know that you have some thoughts as well on this subject is the topic of Jenga. And (laughs) I wanted to kind of like 
let you define Jenga from your perspective. And I know it's pretty sure in your classes, it's like a topic that comes up. And so I wonder if you have any tips for uh, any followers or dancers trying to improve their Jenga as well. Um, Jenga for me, it's something that starts from within and irradiate outside. So it's not like a booty shake. So it's really like the way you express yourself. So it's, it's that those, yes, there's a hip motion, but it's the swag. It's how you stand. It's how you, you transfer your weight way more than just like doing circles. And sometimes that is a bit, mo- a little bit too much push forward, but how can you embody your, I, I want to say sensuality, mm-hmm. but it's more than that. Mm-hmm. It's really an expression of yourself and the way you change your weight. Cause Jinka, that's what it is. You have to first change your weight. That's how you create the, that amazing like wave. And every woman has a different Jenga because everybody's different. So we cannot compare from this girl to this girl to this girl to this girl. You have to compare from yourself and how you feel with it. And you have to feel free to express it and don't put yourself in a box. Like, oh my God, like my, my, my booty is moving too much. Like I'm going to attract mm. too much attention. No, or not enough. Or not enough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. So just like a way of expressing yourself. So that's all I see, Jenga. Definitely. And one thing I remember over the years of like um, studying Kizoma and things like that as well. Obviously, the we know that the official language of Angola is Portuguese. Yes. And Angola was a Portuguese colony, and in Africa, and. Portugal obviously colonized a lot of different countries and another country that was, was Brazil. Mm-hmm. And in Brazil, they have capoeira, which is mm-hmm. a martial arts. And they also use the same word, jinga, in the way that they move in capoeira. I didn't know that. British, mm-hmm, they use that swag, your personality and the way that you move as well. Uh, even in, in the way that you play soccer, they say like the way that you move with the ball and stuff like that can also be considered Jenga. Yeah, because it's, it's a question of who you are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like I've put Jenga as a hip motion. So it's just mm-hmm. like from your, your nostril up to your knee. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. That's Jenga. No, I'm so, I'm so yeah. happy to know that knowledge. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm still doing it. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, I remember, I, I think I was Googling Jenga and then a video of Capoeira or something like that came up. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, the, the shared culture behind that is the the Portuguese influence, you know. So, yeah, it's crazy. We're we're really connected more than we think sometimes, you know. So everything is interconnected. Kind of, we're just too yeah. stubborn to see it, <laughs> <laughs> or too caught into our own shit. Is it like a PG thirteen? Mm-hmm. Yes, no, you can you can say what you want. Okay. <laughs> so we're so caught up in our own shit that we're like, oh no. It goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. Oh, I think what I'm doing is better. Oh, like it's mm. so authentic. Egocentric uh, and self-righteousness, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. This has been an awesome conversation of like different topics and things like that as well. So uh, for the rest of the podcast, uh, I wanted to basically give you a little bit of a spotlight to talk about 
uh, your future projects <laughs> and also how people can find you on social media. I'm I'm coming a bit nervous talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't talked about it much, but we talked about it a little bit, and this is me kind of like kicking you in the ass to like yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't really talk about too much because it's so... But like, you've been making moves on yes. social media. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Don't play innocence. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, basically, everything around a woman in Kizomba, but main, mainly in general. It's something that mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about. So, since like... I'm in Kazamba right now in the community. I want to start teaching to women mm -hmm. and really have that space, space, that safe space mm -hmm. to grow and heal and to talk and create that sisterhood. And dancing will be like kind of an excuse to gather together and improve together. But together, we're going to be able to um, pierce those little like um, unspoken things that's happening to all of us and how together we can bring empowerment to it. So that's one of my projects. I want to do a podcast that talks about uh, feminism and women in general. How can we improve it as a society? Because we need women to wake up, but we also need allies to join the cause and to realize sure. that there's so much improvement that can bring, that can be brought to our attention. Uh, a vlog that I want to do, but that I want to keep, I don't want to talk too much about that one. It's still okay. not clear. No worries. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole creative <laughs> process and I guess even figuring out your journey is like there's chapters to it, you know? So you have like the beginning chapter and then once you finish that chapter, then you have a different perspective and then it helps you start the next chapter. So it's kind of like writing a book in real time, but it's like your life and you can, you don't know what the future chapters are going to bring. So the only thing you can do is like do the best that you can do from your perspective of today. And then after you move and tr climb a little bit, then you have a different view and then you can uh, change your actions accordingly, you know, in, in the direction of where you want to go. Yeah. And evolving with it. Sometimes mm -hmm. you start with a specific idea and then you realize like a two, two years later, Oh wow! Look at the journey. That was the seed that was planted. But look at the tree that I didn't think that would be that tree. Exactly, for sure. And so, yeah, um, I noticed that you had started uh, some sharing some posts uh, uh -huh. around those topics as well. So I was like, hmm, she's doing something here. Hey, Jules, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's true. You sent me a message like, I noticed that you're more mm -hmm. there. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> it's like what is you talking about <laughs> mm -hmm. and that started sure. the whole discussion definitely so uh definitely it'll be cool to continue to follow your journey i know yesterday you were on the podcast yeah. you were chilling with uh gigi and was JJ? it jj yeah gigi and jj and that was cool and that went like three plus hours and all that kind of stuff i so, was exhausted at the end Mm -hmm. It's like, like three hours. First, I'm very passionate about the topic that we brought yesterday was women in Kizamba. And I think like a lot of people have a lot of things to say. And I think that was amazing. And I was very surprised how many people tune in. 
and had mm-hmm. things to say because I was a bit afraid. I was like, is it me going to talk for three hours? Like, mm-hmm. I can talk. <laughs> I don't know if no, but it was definitely a collaborative discussion. On that was you guys had guest speaker come in and all that kind of stuff. So uh, three hours is a long time, but it was definitely it had different phases, which was really really nice as well. And I feel like that subject of women in Kizomba. I think the more conversations we have around it, then we can start to to see some changes. But I think like with change in, like you said, with feminism and racism and sexism and all that kind of stuff. I really think that it, it has to start with conversations uh, with different open people. Open and free and then, space. Mm-hmm, a safe space to, to have conversation where people can share. And then from there, like you can change people's perspectives and then their actions and their habits and all that kind of stuff, you know? So we'll link that uh, video in the show notes for this podcast. So if you're interested in hearing that and you have some time to kill, yes. um, we can have that there and... <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to post like just an audio version of the conversation as well, but that that will be nice Maybe to hear. Maybe you can ask them. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. Because that would be dope. To- Definitely. So, Jules, if people yes. want to hear more about you and your cause and all that kind of stuff, how can people find you on the internet? Uh, at the moment, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram as Jules Trombley and Instagram is Jules Trombley 101. And mm-hmm. um, that's where I'm at now. Okay. So we can put those links in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can just go there and find or just go straight to Facebook and Instagram to find that as well. And I think for one of our future episodes, we could have maybe a discussion on some of your thoughts on women in Kizomba. <laughs> Even even with this podcast, we wanted this podcast to kind of be your introduction of your story and things like that as well. But if we open up the woman in Kizomba, that's like a whole huge topic. Well, if we do, we're going to still be here till tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it can be different parts or maybe we can like create a bullet list and see like, hey, what are the if the woman in Kizomba is the umbrella topic? What are like some of the different uh, elements that we can shine lights on? Because even in the podcast yesterday, we talked about like women instructors and then we talked about sexual misconduct. And then we talked about uh, like the difference of respecting women and, and on the dance floor, off the dance floor as instructors. So like there's a lot of different subsections there. So maybe yeah. it might be good to like break it down and do some multiple episodes so that you do each section has like it's. Uh, you're not like skipping over different subjects, you know. I would love that because, like in in the in the dance scene, it's just like a mm-hmm. small portion that's super concentrated mm-hmm. of what's around us, mm-hmm. society, Major world issues. Absolutely, like we, definitely, like tapping into that subject, it's tapping and it's talking about humanity. Mm-hmm. But then once again, I think uh, we gotta it's, leave it's, this. It's a lot for sure. Definitely. So uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast and we'll have some future content for you guys around these topics. Or if you have an idea for a topic or anything like that, feel free to send Jules a message or myself and we can take that into consideration for sure. So uh, to end the podcast, Jules, usually what I ask for my guests is if they have anything on their minds that they want to share and then a piece of inspirational advice for the listeners. You can speak to women. You can speak to people in general. You just, just open mic. What you, whatever you're feeling at the moment. 
Um, I would speak to both. Mm-hmm. First, for the woman, don't think what you have is less. What you have, you own it and express it and push it forward. And don't be afraid of people seeing you because that's the energy you're giving out. Like, love what you have because it's yours. And to men, listen to the woman around you. Their voice matters as much as yours, but they do matter. Sometimes like we take for granted or we don't really acknowledge what they have to say. That will be a start to a better world. Mm, I agree. And this is something that like, even if I take a look at my Kizomba journey, I can list so many women who have been very supportive of me through my journey. And I feel like the Kizomba scene would not exist if it wasn't for the women, you know, they're the ones that show up more to classes. They're the ones that take more private lessons and invest in that as an instructor, you know, privates are like a huge part of your income. Uh, I feel like they're the one buying tickets for festivals and things like that for workshops and all that kind of stuff as well. And I feel like for any, like this is not to talk about like pedestals or anything like that, but for any elite Kizomba lead in the world, like the instructors, or even if they're not instructing, no lead can get to a high level of dancing without a follow this impossible to do by themselves. So I feel like the best leads that we admire, we also have to acknowledge the follows that even if they're not with that follow anymore, like they grew together to get to that point because the feedback that you get from your partner and to try and all that kind of stuff is super important for your development as well. So I feel like that uh, doesn't get enough attention either. And that's kind of like having a dance partner and wanting a dance partner is like acknowledging the the power that follows have to improve your ability to lead because it's leading is also listening. Yeah. Like a big part of it as well, you know, and Jules, you lead as well in Simba yeah. and in heels. And I'm like, man, she's doing <laughs> tricks. But this whole concept of empathy and, and listening to your follow and all that kind of stuff, I think is really, really important. And that's why we're even doing the podcast as well, because I feel like the more we have about these conversations and like leaders talking about the importance of the followers in the dance scene, I think it would be helpful because like for me, like I couldn't have gotten to the point that I've gotten without the support of the followers in the, in the Kizuma scene. So. 100%. And also like it's a couple dance. Mm-hmm. So it takes two to create mm-hmm. something beautiful. Definitely. Like, I mean, like, if you want by yourself, if you want to dance by yourself, then maybe don't dance. Mm-hmm. There's hip hop. There's all these other kind of dances that you can do. Absolutely. Um, but um, one thing that I've been, I was doing before Corona stopped was starting to dabble in other dances, just to kind of like give myself a fresh perspective. And definitely, when I witnessed, like, I went to a West Coast Swing Festival for the yeah. first time. And the level of instruction that I saw from the leaders and followers, and it's not even a gender thing because there are some same sex couples as well, but like you could see the respect for both roles in the way that the class was presented with the content and answering questions and sharing the the spotlight to talk about different things. Uh, 
I've been to a tango festival and you see like some very mature couples that have been teaching together for 10 years. And it's just like very super refreshing to see like the way that they share and like support one another, you know? And I would say in another dance scene, uh, the Brazilian Zouk scene as well. Like you see a lot of couples that like really train together and things like that as well. And as an instructor, it just makes you happy to see the teamwork between both roles. And I feel like we can definitely achieve that in, in the kids scene as well, you know? Especially from what you were saying, like there's a majority of women mm-hmm. and usually, not usually, but often we see it's only the leader side that's mm-hmm. been talking. But what about all those follows that came with pay mm-hmm. to get into the class? And they shouldn't be just puppets in the class. Um, mm-hmm. They should be treated as more than just follow. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, I think if we get more into the topic, we're going to be talking for another hour. <laughs> we said we said that we're going to stop like like ten minutes ago. <laughs> yes, but then we talked about like Kizomba scene and females and all that kind of stuff. But this is why we're doing multiple podcasts. So uh, if you're still listening, thank you so much for listening to podcasts. Thank you, Jules, for taking thank you for having me out of your day. And stay tuned for the next episode. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Beware.